What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, Awesome times, awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario. Thanks, Ricky Rubio is about to get the Max and Free Agency co-host, Andrew D. Bailey. We have a lot to get to today. There was a trade that we get to talk about between the Nets and the Hawks and the implications they'll have on free agency. We're also going to do our deep dive into the Dallas Mavericks uh, offseason outlook. Before we start, though, just our usual housekeeping notes. Please continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. You can also do the same wherever else you consume your podcasts. iTunes, however, remains the best way to let us know that you are out there and that we're not yelling into the void. We not only appreciate ratings and subscriptions, but reviews. We want to read your comments. Trust me, we're hunting them. Uh, we're, we're reading them. And if you've done all that already, definitely steal people's phones or recommend us to your friends, family, acquaintances, random people on the street. They shall thank you later. If you have not checked out the Blue Wire Podcast Network in general, you need to remedy that immediately. We are adding podcasts and expanding. Our NBA and NFL coverage is dope, and there will be more sports added in due time. We are told, be sure to follow Blue Wire at Blue Wire Pods. If you want to follow the show at Hardwood Knox, we strongly recommend that as well. I also recommend that you follow Andrew. He is at Andrew D. Bailey, and I am at Dan Favalli. That's F-A-V-A-L-E. With all of that out of the way, though, Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, I'm. I was pleasantly surprised to get a Woj bomb midway through the NBA Finals, and not like a. I mean, this this was a legit Woj bomb, a big transaction that could have some pretty big implications. Look, I just want to say, with all due respect, fuck you, because <laughs> whoa, <laughs> because. I have this massive piece that when this podcast goes live, it'll already be out <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, um, sorry. on players who could be traded. I looked at 75 different players, made tiers, scenarios, and quite a bit of ink was spilled on the Hawks, the Nets, Torian Prince, and Alan Krabs specifically as well. And I had to go back. I had to rewrite a bunch of stuff. It ended up being like a 1,200-word adjustment. So I was not happy. And I just – there are certain times of the year where you – understand that that risk is there i thought i was going to be safe this far in advance of the draft and free agency alas the woge bomb came and like you said it was a real one the nets are sending alan crab the number 17 pick in this year's draft and a lottery protected 2020 first rounder to the atlanta hawks for torian prince and an unprotected 2021 second rounder now before i ask you what you think about this i just want to point out 
that the Nets signed Alan Crabb in 2016 to his four-year, $74.8 million offer sheet. The Blazers matched it. They then traded for Alan Crabb the following offseason, 2017, giving up Andrew Nicholson and not getting a draft pick back in return, even though Crabb's deal was just universally panned by that point, even by the people who weren't against overpaying him in the first place. Reverse shout-out me. Now... I know they're getting Torian Prince in a second rounder back, but they're using two first rounders to offload him into yeah. his land as cap space. It's just, it's very full circle. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it was an interesting way to come for full circle. I don't know if you could, it, it's just hard to foresee how much things can change from on a year to year basis. Um, maybe at the time it was worth taking a gamble on that, contract and and at that point you had no idea that you would have to you'd have a chance at Kyrie Irving first of all um and then that you would have to attach a bunch of sweeteners to get rid of this contract but all of a sudden Kyrie Irving is very seriously interested according to Woj and going to the Nets and I think when you get that indication you probably do whatever you can and I think like a lot of other people have pointed out today I'm not sure you attach so many sweeteners unless you're pretty confident that you're not just getting Kyrie. Um, maybe you have some indication from somebody else that they're coming too, because this, this deal opens up the potential of two max slots as Woj pointed out. And as you told me it while we were texting right after the trade happened, they're just barely short of, of the cap space that they would need for both Kyrie's 30% max and Durant's 35% max. So maybe both of those guys take a slight pay cut um, and sign together, or maybe they find some other roster on the books that they could unload. At that point, you're dealing with a pretty bare-bones um, roster after Kyrie and KD, but if they get those two guys, um, they're going to be good. I, I feel like that's uh, some solid analysis. My whole thing with the they must know something's up is that we went through this same spiel with the Knicks when yeah, they traded. We've been through it with many teams. Yeah, you're right. I do think I'm a big fan of Torian Prince still. A lot of people point out that his defense is overrated and bad, and I don't think he could defend bigger wings. I'm there. Uh, his ball handling isn't good, but I feel like people are too hard on him because he has run a lot of pick and rolls, and he's sloppy sometimes, but he is a willing passer, and he can shoot. He's a six eight, six foot eight inch wing who can shoot threes at an above board clip. Um, so there's going to be value there, and, and that makes it a little bit easier to give up both first. That's still, when you're the Nets, this is the first time you had your own first round pick under your control since 2013, I believe, and you just gave it up. I know you have another one, so it's different, but now you're mortgaging part of next year's future with that 2021st rounder. I mean, if you, I guess you could look at it this way if you send that pick to the Hawks, it means you were good and probably maybe signed a star free agent. If you don't, and it's one of those things, we don't know the exact protections just yet, but maybe it just turns into two seconds, then you shot your shot. But at the same time, it's if you don't sign another free agent now, I'm not saying it needs to be Kyrie or KD, but if you don't, uh, and KD, excuse me, but if you don't sign somebody with that cap space, you could have just waited because Crab was an expiring contract. And so, and I, I know you have Prince, but he's extension eligible. He's going to be a restricted free agent next year. I don't hate the trade. I I like it a lot better for Atlanta. And for the Nets, I, I think, uh, I would say the more likely scenario is that they get one 
and it would be Kyrie Irving. And I'm just interested to see what you think about the Russell Kyrie pairing, knowing that the Nets will have flexibility if that's the route they went to then flush out the roster with other pieces. Because as of right now, let's say they, they keep D'Angelo Russell's hold. I have them at about $47.4 million in cap space. And so that's enough to sign Irving and then still have like almost $15 million left over. So you could go out there plus the room exception too. So you could go out there and you can really make some moves. You could bring back Ed Davis. I don't know if there are some other just role players that you'd want to pair with Kyrie. And so I'm curious if that's the direction they're going and this is the price they paid that they went this route and they're ending up with a D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving backcourt with mind you, Spencer Dinwiddie on the roster and Karis LeVert there. He's extension eligible as well. What do you think of that outcome? Yeah, I actually think Kyrie and Russell together does make some sense. Um, right now, if I had to guess, I don't. I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be with the Nets next season. I think Kyrie Irving is going to be the starting point guard, and Dinwiddie will probably be his backup. And I think they're going to do what they can to create the rest of that um, cap space that they need for the second guy. Who that second guy is is obviously more of a mystery. And I, and I, you know, <laughs> we have sort of we sort of counted on guys going somewhere before we knew for sure in the past. So, so maybe a lot of people are doing that with Kyrie now, but there certainly seems to be a lot of smoke here. Uh, if it does end up being Kyrie and uh, D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie is like a really good three man rotation in the backcourt and you use the remaining cap space to sort of supplement what's already there. I, that's still going to be a really good team. The thing I would worry about there is, does Kyrie Irving have the same sort of um, influence on this young group that he just had on Boston? That that would that would worry me a little bit. I, I would rather, if I'm the Nets, and I think they're probably thinking this. I don't. I'm not plugged into them or anything. It just seems like that's where we're headed. Is the max cap space route? I think I think it's going to be Kyrie, and I think it's going to be another guy. And for the longest time, as you know, I've been saying Kyrie and Katie. To the Knicks feels like a done deal, but maybe it was maybe it was the other New York team <laughs> the whole time. I will say that I would trust Brooklyn's culture more so than New York's or Boston's to handle Kyrie Irving, and definitely more than yeah. New York's to handle Kyrie Irving and and Kevin Durant. Just with the amount of turnover they went through over the past few years before this season, and it, the players still really love them. I, they had good relationships with with agents that I know for a fact. So. I'm not too worried about that. I just, the D'Angelo Russell Kyrie Irving period, I guess if you think Russell's gone, that's fine. If they end up with both of them, though, I'm just a little more reticent than you would be because I feel like then there's too much overlap on the roster. Um, the The Nets have run out, they've struggled to get their double playmaker lineups to be productive. Dinwiddie yeah. and D'Angelo Russell kind of turned towards the end of last season, and it's different when Karis Levert's the other one, but. Irving and D'Angelo Russell are not covering up for each other defensively. I do think yeah. Russell can play off the ball. And I'm still tantalized a little bit by those nuclear playmaking lineups. If you went, you know, Levert, Irving, D'Angelo Russell in the same lineup, the defense is not going to be good, but that's a lot of versatility at the offensive end. At the same time, the Nets struggled to make Dinwiddie, Russell, Levert work together. And I think they played a few hundred possessions with each other this past season. I know Kyrie's a different player. I'm just, if you're going to invest... If D'Angelo Russell gets the max, 
which would be twenty five point seven uh twenty seven point three million for him, and then you're paying Kyrie Irving thirty two point seven. So now all of a sudden you're just at sixty million dollars for those two players, and that's yeah. a huge chunk of your cap. It's more than you know, it's it's more than forty percent at that point. So I'm I'm not thrilled by the idea of that pairing. I'm intrigued, but if this is the lengths that you went to to establish it, it makes me a little bit uneasy. I am I am still or not still, I am intrigued though by the fact that you think Russell's just gone. Yeah. I, I I think this signals that they're going in a different direction at point guard. Um, I don't know. Is it – where do you – what team is – they're just going to let him walk then now, so then maybe it doesn't take the max to get him away. Are those your thoughts? Yeah, and that's that's another interesting wrinkle because now to get to that max cap space, they have to renounce, which makes him an unrestricted free agent, so maybe he doesn't get the max uh i think it was certainly a lot more likely to come in restricted free agency than unrestricted uh though i I do think that's still a possibility that he gets the max i mean how old is he 23 years old um hold on well i think the thing is that they can extend his qualifying offer make him a restricted free agent and then rescind it so it's not like they don't need to make him an unrestricted free agent right off the bat well, what is, what what benefit does that give them other than screwing over D'Angelo Russell a few days? It doesn't screw him over. He can go out and get an offer sheet, and like so. If they don't, so okay. So if they do not get two max players, then they bring him back, right? If I mean a team could okay. force their okay. hands, like let's say Kyrie and KD take forever to decide, and D'Angelo Russell's meeting with teams, and let's say Indiana that makes sense. Throws yeah. the max, uh, then the Nets would have to make a decision whether they're going to keep him or not. But I don't think they're. They have some luxury here, though. I'm I am legitimately surprised at how many people think that it they're they're going to end up with both KD and Kyrie. It's just it's weird. Even if it's not KD, like if it's Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, or if it's that's Kyrie, that's the one that I think I was going to bring that up. I okay. think if anything, it'll be Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving. They've wanted, which is also, I mean, that's that's a heck of a place to start for your top two players. Oh, for sure. And there were rumblings that those two wanted to play together last summer. That was all the rage, and then the KD. Kyrie stuff kind of overshadowed it. So that wouldn't surprise me. And that, again, that's not a bad starting point. The Nets are, I know people are worried about Kyrie's injury. Jimmy Butler's getting up there in age, but Brooklyn un, with Kenny Atkinson has been fantastic at managing minutes. And they'll have other pieces there. Still Levert, still Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. Uh, Joe Harris is a fantastic compliment to yeah. that, that yeah. much ball dominant <laughs> talent. Um, they have Rodion's cool roots. There's, there's talent there. Maybe they'll get a, you know, they have the 27th and the 31st pick in this year's draft still. I think that's more. And then you don't have to go. That's the other benefit. You obviously go the lengths to whether it's, you know, trading Dinwiddie for a smaller salary or do you just have to offload Torian Prince if you need to get KD and Kyrie. But you now you can sign. If you renounce D'Angelo Russell, now you can just flat out sign Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. I know Kevin Durant would be preferable, but at least you don't have to worry about any other you know, cat minutia if, if it's Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's, that all makes sense. Um, the, the Knicks have to be, both the Knicks and Celtics cannot feel great about this trade. Uh, I do but no. to touch on it for the Hawks <laughs> really quickly. I'm interested to see what they do now. They have three first round picks, number yep. eight, number 10 and number 17. They also still have 
over $15 million in cap space, and they can get to around $25 million if they renounce Dwayne Dedman. So this is a team that could still be a major player. And if you look at their collection of expiring contracts now between Kemp Bazemore, Miles Plumley, and Alan Crabb, they could either go the route of we'll take on bad money for more picks and prospects, or that's those are good salary matching anchors coupled with their other picks to maybe go out and buy a player. I don't know what name springs to mind. They're obviously not going to enter the Anthony Davis sweepstakes, but they're they're just a team that was interesting already. And now I think this trade does sort of signal that they're not going to be as aggressive on the free agency market, but they're they're still just super intriguing to me. Did you say how much cap space they have figuring in crabs? I might have missed it. Yeah, so with Alan Crabb and Dwayne Deadman's $9.4 million cap hold, they're going to be at about $15 million, maybe a little shy of that. Okay. If they renounce so, Dwayne Deadman, they vault to $25 million, and they're within a breath of, you know, if they want to go out and max out Malcolm Brogdon, they could do that. Yeah. The Hawks are really interesting to me. Before this deal, which I, I think is a good one for them, I, I thought – why wouldn't one of those like second tier free agents think about this uh, spot? Like I think Chris Middleton's going to stay in Milwaukee, but that was, that was a name that crossed my mind. Tobias Harris was a name that crossed my mind. Their, their foundational pieces are super interesting to me. I was pretty low on Trey young for the first couple months of the season. Um, The amount of shots he missed, I think it was understandable, but he was, he was ridiculous from like around January 1st on to the end of the season. And I've always loved John Collins. Um, I, in, in fact, I think he's already kind of an underrated player. So you pair those two guys, you've got your, you've got your pick and roll combo for years to come right there. You pair that with like a playmaking wing that can kind of space things. That's super interesting to me. So if there's some guy that's like one of those second tier free agents and he'll come and join the Hawks for, you know, around 24, 25 million, like you just said, they can get to in cap space. That's a really, really interesting spot for me. And I think they could be competing for, a spot in the playoffs here within the next year or two. Uh, I, I think they have the potential to be that good. Yeah, and it's again, I don't know what taking on Crab says about their free agency plans, but they can still do. They can at least be aggressive or open to sort of a opportunity falling into their laps. The implication this move has, though, not only on free agency, but sort of the Anthony Davis trade sweepstakes as well is interesting because. The Nets were named, this was per Sham Sharania of The Athletic, uh, league executives thought that the Nets, Lakers, Knicks, and Celtics could or would put forth the most aggressive offers for Davis. And so this effectively, to me, removes the Nets from consideration just because you gave up that 2020 first rounder, and I, I, I think that would have been important to any deal. Mm-hmm. And, you, I, I mean, you can still build something around Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Rodian's Kuroots, um, the number 27th pick, Lavert, But I don't know. That just – it seems less attractive without being able to include a future first-round pick right now before 2022. And then now if you're the Celtics, the Kyrie Irving-Knicks chatter seemed real. There's been the whole will he reunite with LeBron bugaboo. But now you have Woj coming out and saying that Kyrie and the Nets just have strong interests in each other. Yeah. And so yeah. if I'm Boston, I thought this was sort of a chicken or the egg dilemma at first. Do you trade for Anthony Davis, go all in on that to keep Kyrie Irving, or do you wait to see 
how Irving's free agency shakes out before going that route. And I think now, after this trade, you have to wait, would be my stance. If you, if they want Jason Tatum, you most certainly have to wait uh, to see how Irving's free agency plays out. And for the Knicks, if Kyrie Irving is going to Brooklyn, it definitely diminishes the likelihood that KD goes to the Knicks. And there's talk that the Nets want to have... KD and Kyrie too. If that might be the new favorite scenario where it's Kevin Durant is going to the Nets or re-signing with the Warriors. So if you're the Knicks, there's it seems like I think the chance was more genuine than people were giving it that they would strike out in free agency. This was immediately <laughs> after the Chris Porzingis trade. I just maybe it's the pessimist in me, and I think that we can relitigate the Porzingis trade as, as time goes on, independent of what they do with this cap space. Um, assuming they don't go out and just spend it on a bunch of second tier guys, should they miss? But I, now there's a an even more, there's a stronger chance to me that they end up empty handed. And so if they if they don't end up getting at least one star in free agency, and I'm not talking like they signed Tobias Harris or Kemba Walker, and then they're going to go and trade AD. Maybe they was... do. Maybe they do that, but you can't trade for you can't give up the farm for Anthony Davis in that situation because without Durant or Irving or one of these other, you know, a, let's say a Butler or a Clay or a Kawhi, even though they're not going to the Knicks, I don't think that you can go make that all-in move for him. And so all of a sudden, I'm not saying this puts the Pelicans in a bind because other teams always come out of the woodwork, but the Lakers seem like that only prominent suitor. And the Clippers, by the way, are in the same boat as the Knicks. I don't think they make a play for Anthony Davis unless they bag a superstar in free agents. And so, so many of the most prominent Anthony Davis hypotheticals are now attached to strings and it sort of leaves the Lakers as the only just yeah. unconditional suitor. I was, I was just going to say, watch the Lakers back into this again. Um, <laughs> and watch, watch the Knicks come out of this summer with like D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randall or something. Um, <laughs> and just run, <laughs> run out the 2016, 2017 Lakers. Yes. Like yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, I actually didn't think about that a ton before we started recording, but this, you laid out a very strong case for why this affects the Anthony Davis sweepstakes as well. I, I agree with you. I would probably wait if I'm the Celtics, because if you unload uh, your cash of assets and then Kyrie still leaves, uh, you get Anthony Davis for one year and that's probably it. I, I think he's right. probably going to bolt. I, um, I think I've said this on the pod before too. If he does not get traded to the Lakers, I feel like there's a decent chance he ends up there as a free agent the following summer. Um, one very, very long shot contingency that we laid out several episodes ago was if, if the Knicks can pull off the miracle and all the cap gymnastics that they have to do to get Kyrie, Katie and Anthony Davis, then yeah, he probably stays there rather than go to the Lakers. But <laughs> It really is crazy that the the way that this is shaking out right now, how how many weeks removed are we from Gail Benson saying I wouldn't trade I'll, I'll trade Davis to the Lakers over my dead body, um, <laughs> and then it might end up being the best offer left standing, just sort of like a war of attrition almost. And and then we had the report within the last week or so that Alvin Gentry is intrigued by a Drew Holiday. Lonzo Ball pairing, which is intriguing to me too, so I get that. Um, it's it's just going to be so crazy if this team that has been the NBA's ultimate symbol of dysfunction for like five or six years all of a sudden has LeBron James because he wants to be in Hollywood and he wants to make movies and he wants to just 
And then if, if you want to live in L.A. and you have the chance to do it, go for it. Um, and then they end up with Anthony Davis the next year. I don't know what the rest of their roster will look like because I think they'll have to give up just about everything to get him. But <laughs> if you can start if you can start with a foundation of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, I, I think just about every team in the NBA would do that. I think the final, and it's it's more than one implication, but it's it's just I think ties in with free agency altogether. You mentioned this before the podcast that one of the ramifications here is how many players are getting max contracts, and who are the teams that are just going to end up empty-handed in all this? We already mentioned the Knicks, but this the Lakers. Yes, maybe this improves their chance of acquiring Anthony Davis. I don't know that this helps their odds of landing a star in free agency because if let's just say it removes. Kyrie Irving from the table, and you already knew that you weren't getting Clay, Kevin Durant, or Kawhi, I think. I know Lakers fans are still holding out hope for Leonard, but I would be shocked if he went anywhere other than the Raptors or, or the Clippers at this point. And we went we went deep, and how many, how many free agents do you think that are going to end up getting the max? There could be some bad contracts being handed out. Yeah. Well, it... It's hard to forecast how much total cap space is going to be available among all 30 teams in the NBA, but that, that will dictate this conversation. But we, we ran through a list. Um, Kevin Durant's going to get a max, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving. I, I think Kemba Walker probably gets a max for Charlotte, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not like 100% that he'll be maxed out. Clay Thompson's going to get a max. Jimmy Butler probably gets a max. I think D'Angelo Russell has a chance to get one. Uh, Tobias Harris has a chance to get one. We'll talk more about this later, but Chris Depp Porzingis to me probably gets one. Middleton probably gets one. Um, and we even, we even talked about the possibility of Malcolm Brogdon getting one. And I, I, I think that's a very real chance because he's in, he's a restricted free agent. Uh, so if you want to pry him away from the bucks, then you, you probably have to max him out. And the interesting thing about that is if he gets the max, um, at 25% of the cap, Middleton gets a 30% max and Antetokounmpo gets a 35% max. Uh, that's 90% of Milwaukee's cap between the, those that's three guys. That's a rough math, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess that's just sort of the cost of doing business in the NBA now. Um, that, but yeah, there's going to be a bunch of teams handing out max contracts. And you asked which, which one do we think might strike out, right? Um, is it the Knicks right now based on the way everything's sort of shaken out today? I, I, I feel like I'm as prone to these wild overreactions as everyone else is lately. So maybe that's what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but it sure, it sure looks to me like Kyrie Irving, um, I, I just see him on the nets. It's, it's as crazy as that might sound. I, I Would you have said that? No, I wouldn't have said it 12 hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, maybe I am just like the, the hot take culture is hopefully not swallowing me, but it's, uh, that's just how I feel after these crazy events of today. Well, there will be by my count, seven teams that will do what it takes or just have at least one max cap slot. And then I'll say eight if we want to include the jazz, but that's, uh, I don't think they do that. Yeah. Waving Derek Favors, which is, it's, it's D'Angelo Russell would be interesting for them now more than ever. But you can't renounce Favors to open up the room to sign someone that you might not get. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if the Nets end up signing Kyrie and KD really quickly, 
and he becomes an unrestricted free agent, then maybe you talk about renouncing favors and going after him and, and giving him the match or whatever it takes to poach him. That's actually pretty much uh, exactly what um, Tony Jones from The Athletic said, <clears throat> covers the Jazz for The Athletic, just two days ago. He said the Jazz have interest in Russell, but only if he becomes an unrestricted free agent or if it's clear the Nets wouldn't match an offer sheet. Right, uh, yeah, because it doesn't make sense to create cap yeah. space when it's going to cost still, you a player you use. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really torn on the Derek Favors thing. I go back and forth on it. Mostly I stay with thinking that he should stay now, believe it or not, because I think I think even like a marginal upgrade at point guard could make those Favors Gobert lineups seem much, much more playable. Uh, than they have, and and they haven't been as bad as people think they have for the last couple of years anyway. So they're going to have to, I feel like they have to have something really good sort of waiting on the line to make that move. You have anything else on this? Um, I, got I don't think so. That's... I'm just glad we found a way to steer it to the jazz somehow. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain time-consuming, expensive, so many carriers to choose from. How do you know you're making the best choice? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. And right now, Hardwood Knox podcast listeners can try ShipStation free, free, for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including the United States Post Office, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in BLUE. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. (laughs) On to the Dallas Mavericks, who do factor into the free agency frenzy a little bit. Um, Their their offseason, I think this is a team that's one of the one. They're not alone in this. Like I said, this what just happened with the D'Angelo with excuse me, the Brooklyn Nets Hawks trade and what we're hearing about on the free agency chatter. It hurts the Knicks, but it definitely hurts the Mavericks now when you have, you know, if Brooklyn the Knicks and the Clippers all have obvious paths to two max slots. And the Clippers is more, you have to trade Daniel Gallinari, but that's, that's not a thing. So that's, and then you have the Lakers involved. It's just, it's so to be Dallas, which isn't a terrible market, but it's never really been that primetime destination. It makes me wonder if they're going to go the lengths it'll take to create caps, uh, max cap space. The New York times is, and this is where we're starting because they're a team that's interesting because of free agency mainly there's maybe there won't be a ton of turnover but they're gonna try and you know they went all in with the Kristaps Porzingis Luka Doncic core uh gave up Dennis Smith Jr. to two future first 
and they took on Tim Hardaway Jr., who has two years and $39 million left on his deal, and then Courtney Lee, who's expiring at twelve point eight. Dwight Powell officially opted in and is planning on signing an extension. We don't have the extension number as of now. It's kind of it's moot for our purposes at the moment anyway. Dwight Powell's player option is worth $10.3 million. So on my calculations, based off the projected cap, the Mavericks have about $27.8 million in cap space. And so that's while carrying holds for restricted free agents Dory Finney-Smith and Maxi Kleba. If they want max money, they're going to have to look at stretching or salary dumping Courtney Lee to get to a, a Middleton yeah. or Kemba Walker max. As Mark Stein said, those are the two that they're interested in. And that that's at least a scenario where you could be like, well, we'll, we'll go that route if we need to. They can wait until they need to use it. I'm just – the first question with them is – do you see them landing one of the top 10 or 15 names in free agency? Um, that's a hard question. I uh, will say this then while you're figuring out your answer. I've probably said this about a few teams, but now more than ever, knowing that Powell's coming back, it was different when people thought he was going to opt out, but even then everyone believed he was going back to Dallas anyway. You can now, I think you can maybe afford to tie up your cap space at Malcolm Brogdon. Just max him out and force mm-hmm. the Bucks' hands, or maybe you get him because he fits with, with everyone and, and even more so with Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. Yeah, he's an interesting option for sure. I don't know if he's one of the top 10 free agents, um, but he is a guy that they could potentially max out. And you said they can get to $27 million in cap space even if they max out Porzingis? His hold is $17.1 oh, okay, okay, million. Okay. So that's what they're then working on. they'll have with. to go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have Malcolm Brogdon's max. They'll wake up with it, which helps. It ties up their cap space for other moves. But if they don't think they're going to get one of the top guys, and I'm wondering if that's sort of where they're at, because I thought it was interesting that, again, Mark Stein mentioned Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton, who are just very obviously second-tier free agents yeah. compared to the, the star market. And so it seemed to be a matter of Dallas adjusting its expectations, which – I think is the correct play. Um, I just don't view Middleton as traditionally available because I think he's guaranteed to go back. Yeah, I think he's going to Milwaukee too. Very, very quick detour, and then we'll come back to the Mavs. If somebody maxes out Brogdon, do you think Milwaukee matches? And Middleton's coming back? Yeah, let's let's assume they they get Middleton on the max. They know they're going to have to give Giannis the super max at some point. Um, Yeah, but they have... That doesn't kick in for it wouldn't be next season or the season after. That yeah. Well, it it comes down to I don't know if they're willing to go deep into the tax. My guess would be yes that they match it. Um, my projections right now, and I I just wrote about this, which is why I have it so exact, is that if you pencil in Middleton for a max, and let's say that you need the the non taxpayer MLE to keep Lopez. All of it. If you waive George Hill, you can afford to pay Brogdon in the fifteen million dollar range while staying while hard capping yourself, but staying under the luxury tax apron. If you need to come up with another twelve point two million dollars for him, That's tough. or twelve point seven, whatever it is, you need to get rid of Tony Snell at bare minimum. To yeah. and maybe Brooke Lopez doesn't cost that much. Maybe you get a haircut on Middleton's deal if you give him five years, but I think they would match it. If they have to max out both Middleton and Brogdon, there's going to be some serious, you could probably in that 
case, you, you probably can say that Lopez is gone and then you're probably going to see them dump off some other salary. Yeah. That's, I mean, they're, they're in a really interesting spot right now, but anyway, that we're, I'm supposed to be talking about the Mavericks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know the Mark Stein story you're referencing that they might, or not that they might, they're going to go after Kyrie, not Kyrie Irving. I'm all over the place. Well, Kyrie would Walker, be interesting. Yeah. Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton, uh, as of a few days ago, the only teams that had betting odds for where Chris Middleton will play next was the Bucks and the Mavericks. And maybe that's just because of Mark Stein's reporting. Uh, but that kind of a player is really interesting to me. I think Malcolm Brogdon makes sense there too. but Ideally, going forward, Luka Doncic is your point guard offensively. Um, who he guards on the other end is a different story. But but on that end of the ball, he's functionally your point guard. And I think Kristaps Porzingis should probably be your center, and you should be running a ton of pick and rolls with those two guys. And I would want to surround that with as many sort of positionless 6'7", six, 6'8", six, um, those wing forward guys that are all the rage right now. So Chris Middleton is like, that's that's exactly the kind of player I think they should be going for. But like you said earlier, and I think I, I even said it in this episode, I'm like 99% sure he's just going to be on the Bucks next season. Other guys that, that are kind of like that, maybe, that they could go after that certainly aren't top 10 free agents, like Boyan Bogdanovich could be interesting there. Um, I'm, I'm scrolling through a list of free agents here. I, I don't think Miritich kind of fits that mold. I would like guys who can create a little bit more. Um, Did you say Tobias Harris already? He would be interesting. He's not Tobias Harris would be interesting. Totally even, different from Middleton, but offensively, I think is a good fit there. Yeah, even Rudy Gay is like kind of interesting for me. Uh, to me, for teams like this, so I, I think they're. I think that's kind of the prototype that they should be after uh, with that extra cap space. That I, I think your your main two guys. We <laughs> I've talked about the main two guys for a bunch of different potential situations. Now I think Dallas has a good top two and Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis that could be very, very good for a long time. Now it's just, to me, it's about supplementing those two guys. Yeah, and it's, yeah. they can always divvy up that cap space among multiple guys, which definitely helps. I don't think they're going to end up getting anyone. I know Kemba Walker is the one that either. seems to have been mentioned the most. Uh, if... I, I get I'm just I feel like if he doesn't end up with the Hornets, I kind of feel like it's gonna be the Lakers or the Jazz. Knicks. Uh, the, I guess the Knicks yo, if the Knicks don't get I was operating under the assumption that the Knicks would get Kyrie Irving too, so I, I think Kemba to the Knicks is is very possible now. I would say that the Mavericks are the third or fourth most likely destination for Dallas. Charlotte has to be one of the top two and then you can put the Lakers, Knicks slash Mavericks, or you could put the Mavericks ahead of one of maybe you put them ahead of the Lakers, and you put the Knicks ahead of them, or, or vice versa. So it's I don't think they're going to end up they're not going to end up with a player that I think gets the max or is worth the max. So my other question though is before maybe you already mentioned other free agents that might be a fit there. What do you do with Chris Porzingis? Are you maxing him out? I know Tim McMahon of ESPN said that the Mavericks were planning on uh, giving him his his five-year max. There's other stuff that's happened since the Fight Club in Lof- Latvia. He was investigated yeah. by the NYPD following rape allegations. We haven't heard more on that, so we won't comment any further beyond it. If you look, even if you th- – maybe if 
if you're nervous about the off-court stuff, and I feel bad to trivialize it in that regard, it affects Porzingis' value. But more so looking at the court, after he just missed the entire season, basically a season and a half with the torn left ACL, given all the injuries he's had on the left side of his body, mind you, are you just maxing him out? Or am I asking, because I'm just wondering, maybe you don't play hardball after going all in on acquiring him. At the same time, I'm trying to figure out, do you think there'll be another team that'll offer him the max to set that type of price tag? That's an interesting and probably a smart way to think about it. Um, his, I, I think the idea of Chris Tapp's Porzingis right now is probably a little bit better than the reality. Um, do you know what his career box plus minus is? No. Take a guess. Uh, minus 0.8. Um, better than that, actually. Minus 0.1. Um, and, and for those who don't know, I'm, I'm guessing most of our listeners probably do because they're smart. Uh, box plus minus is just one of those catch-all stats that tries to put everything into one number. And it shakes out to zero being sort of a league average player, minus two being replacement level. So according to at least one number, he's just barely, barely below average over the course of his career. Um, his his true shooting percentage is also interesting to me. It's 53.5 for his entire career. And I I didn't look this up, but I would guess that the, the, the league average true shooting percentage over the last four seasons, which is how long he's been in the NBA, is probably around 55 and a half, maybe 56. So he's below average there. Um but having said all that, <clears throat> I, th- I think I might still max him out. Now, it's probably smart, like you said, to maybe wait and just gauge the market for a little bit. Um, there, there are some effects of that that can come. I mean, you, you risk the chance of alienating the player. Uh, we've, we've seen in the past that some guys get kind of annoyed that they have to go out and restricted free agency right. and get the big offer. Um, I don't know if that's overblown or not. Sometimes it seems to be, sometimes it doesn't. But <clears throat> the idea of Chris Draps back to my original point, is really, really intriguing. He's he's seven foot three. Um, the stuff that he can do as a seven three guy was was really, really unique at the time that he first showed up in the NBA, and it's still pretty unique now. I know a lot of big guys are shooting threes now and doing more guard oriented stuff, but He's incredibly agile for a guy his size. Um, you have to worry a little bit that being that big and playing that way might be part of the reason that he's he's struggled with injuries. Um, so so that's worrisome. I mean, 66 plus 48 games over the last uh, three seasons, uh, 114 games over the last three seasons. So there are there are huge question marks, um, but the peak version of Porzingis I think still has a chance to be a very very good player I think areas that he has to shore up for sure I think he needs to be able to pass a little bit better um a little bit more consistent rebounding he he was better at rebounding than I thought he would be in his rookie season but it's been kind of downhill ever since then uh he, he's got to be more efficient uh as a scorer draw free throws more would probably help I mean he's he's got a bunch of areas that he can work on but the potential with him is really, really high, in my opinion. And you'd also even like to see more from him if he's going to live on the perimeter. And I know this isn't something that you ask of someone who's seven foot three inches, but 
he needs to just have more of a of a face up game where it's can can you hit pull up three pointers at a, even a league average clip and like you said can you increase your free throw attempt rate his job gets a lot easier alongside Luka Doncic for sure I was going to say that too like it, it'll be interesting to see how much better he is playing with Luka than he was with whatever uh, cast of characters he had in New York what I'm interested do you like his fit with Dwight Powell that's interesting to me and and somebody said I don't know who it, it was it was one of the bigger reporters said something like they believe that uh, Powell can defend power forwards moving forward, which is is there's probably a lot of truth to that. Um, yeah, I think his weakest Powell's weakest point on defense is his rim protection. So Kristaps Porzingis takes care. Yeah, of that. I, I think yeah, I think that you you can play them together. Ideally, I think I might have already said this too, and maybe this is just the way that I view basketball right now. Um, even though there seems to be a little bit of a resurgence on the old school power forward. I still like uh, versatility at all five positions if you can get it. So if you can play Porzingis at the five mm-hmm. and have three interchangeable, well, really four interchangeable guys, um, one through four because of what Luca can do, that's that's the ideal for me. I mean, that's obviously a lot. <laughs> that's a lot harder to go out and get than it is to talk about. Um, but that's that's kind of what I would be looking for. I I actually think Powell's maybe a little underrated too. He's he has been. Um, it seems like a lot of Mavericks fans and and they can yell at me on Twitter if I'm wrong about this, but a lot of guys have been very frustrated by him over the course of his time in Dallas. I actually think he's pretty good for what he does. If you're paying him to be your long-term starting power forward, I could, I could see maybe a little anxiousness there, but I I think he's a pretty good player. I'm wondering if this just makes Maxi Kleba a goner because he was always, He's been someone that the Mavericks have been reluctant to use at um, center two, and he watching him over the past two years just a lot more mobile away from the basket than he is good. But if you're if Powell's if not only are you paying Powell his ten point two ten point three million dollars next season, he's apparently signing an extension. You have to pay Porzingis, and so if you max out Porzingis at twenty seven point three million. And then you're going to have, let's say Powell takes about what he's making now. Let's just go with 10 million. Now you all of a sudden have, you know, 37, 38 million invested in the front court already. I don't know what Kleba is going to get as a restricted free agent, but he's a guy who can, who's like, okay, as a standstill rim protector, if you think you can get away with playing him at, at power forward, that helps too. He was really good um, at contesting jump shots in the half court and, and he spaces the floor. I'm just wondering though if you're already paying Powell and we know you're going to pay Porzingis, and you're probably viewing Kleba now as a backup at this point, is is he just gone? Yeah, that's an interesting question. How much do you think he will get? I would think at least mini MLE money, which is about yeah. Five so what's that like five? Dollars. Okay. Yeah. And I guess for uh, that price, that's fine for a backup big. But if he gets anything more. It beca- I would think it becomes tough. Is my point. I just don't yeah. know. I don't know how much. If let's just say you know that you're paying Christoph Porzingis and Dwight Powell between thirty-seven to forty million dollars over the next three years. Uh, I know Powell can sign a four-year extension. But let's just say three years. How much are you willing to pay another big? Yeah, you do I, need I, a backup center slash. Very very valid questions. You want to hear a funny list? I'm ready. I've seen a lot of, if it's about Kleba, I've seen a lot of incredible lists with Kleba. (laughs) 
Um, so the first one I did was players who took at least as many threes as Kleba in their career and matched his block percentage and three-point percentage. This, this one is only kind of funny. It gets better after this one. Uh, this list is Serge Ibaka, Brooke Lopez, Rafe LaFrentz, Miles Turner, Chris Dapps Porzingis, and Maxi Kleba. Now, if we do players that took at least as many three-point attempts as Kleba and had a block percentage as high as him and had a true shooting percentage as high as him for their careers, the entire list reads Maxi Kleba, Joel Embiid, and Anthony Davis. <laughs> Uh, that's that's one of my favorite player searches I've ever done. Um, the, the the only reason I did it is because he's he is a surprisingly good shot blocker. Um, he he's he's a very very interesting player. But like you said, I don't I don't know if you can justify um, paying that much money to all those guys. You, you just rattled off all the names, um, so I, I don't need to do it again. But once you start throwing too much of your cap into one position and the, the, the roster gets off balance, you start to run into problems. So that's, um, if I had to say like one way or the way, one way or another, will he be gone? Um, I'm going to say no, because I, I think that he get, I think that he goes back on a pretty small deal, like maybe even less than that mini MLE. I, I honestly have no answer for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to plead the Andy Bailey way and and say, I have, I have zero idea. I do think though that having both (laughs) Powell and Porzingis, it definitely makes his restricted free agency more interesting. Their other Mm -hmm. restricted free agent, Dorian Finney Smith. That's someone I feel like you almost need to bring back just because you don't have defensive minded wings right now. And he's, you know, you don't want Dorian Finney Smith dribbling too much unless he's going to do some one dribble straight line drives or something like that. He hit 35% of his catch-and-shoot threes. I don't think that might be just enough for you to say that he's a 3-and-D type player, but you don't have, when you look at Tim Hardaway, even Courtney Lee, there's just, um, I know you have Justin Jackson, but I think Dorian Finney-Smith's really the only one that's like that 2-3-4 defender where you can move him around like that. And I think he becomes, particularly if you're not going to sign a Chris Middleton or a Jimmy Butler, just because yeah. the market isn't so deep with, wings that you have to bring back Finney Smith. Yeah, I think I agree with everything that you just laid out there. And on top of that, I I don't think they are going to get one of those guys, even though I think that's probably the ideal that they end up with somebody like Middleton or Harris. I I think they probably are elsewhere, which makes, like you said, a deal for Dorian Finney Smith make a lot more sense. What are your impressions on um, – sorry, I had to clear my throat there for a second. What are your what are your thoughts on just the Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, you know, what is it – like Courtney Lee feels like he could end up, depending on how good the Mavericks are, could end up being a buyout candidate or maybe, again, he's a casualty of them trying to create cap space. They're definitely stuck with Tim Hardaway Jr. Do you think that – THJ specifically might have more value on this team than he did with the Knicks because they're going to be able to use him less in a, like a featured type role. I don't know if he's someone they might eventually move to the bench. That might depend on who they sign in free agency as well. But it seems like it, like if you don't need him to do as much on offense and he could become more of a standstill shooter, maybe you have him lead some second unit heavy lineups for small stretches. Maybe he just works out there better than he did in New York? 
Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I, I pulled up his page right when you started talking about him. Um, his box plus minus in New York last year was minus two. In Dallas, it was minus 3.3. 3. Um, his true shooting percentage dropped. Um, well, it was a new team, and then I don't, I don't yeah, remember yeah, how many yeah. games he played in exactly before he had the uh, – It was only 19 games, so it's not a big sample. Assist percentage dropped, yeah, steal yeah. percentage dropped. It'll be interesting to see how he comes back from the stress reaction in his leg that yeah. required surgery. I think theoretically, theoretically everything that you laid out is true. Um, he, he's not going to have to command the ball on as many possessions – with the Knicks, um, I, I I firmly believe that Luka Doncic is going to be a guy for a while who makes his teammates better, so that should help. Um, but yeah, I mean, with with Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee on the books, it's not that you're it's not necessarily that you're punting next season. I just think you're kind of tied down until those guys are off the off the cap sheet. Um, and it's not necessarily that they're bad players either. I, I'd, maybe for that money, um, and, and like we've both said now, I think Tim Hardaway might be a little bit better in Dallas than he is in New York. But I, I just don't really see him moving the needle a ton either way, which is not an ideal thing to say about the guy who's who's making $18 million, uh, and other than Kristaps Porzingis is, is going to be your highest paid player next season. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't want to get into Jalen Brunson or Ryan Brokoff right now because we have we have questions about them. Do you have any strong opinions of Justin Jackson, though? Um, not strong ones. I I liked him um, a decent amount. Come like around his draft year, he's he's got solid size, six eight guy, and he shot very very well in college. Uh, he's been okay as a shooter. In the NBA, 35.5% last season, so it's trending up. Um, but no, I don't, I don't feel real strongly about him, and I think that's maybe just the fact that he, he just hasn't blown the, my socks off in the NBA. I thought he'd be a little bit better than he has been, but I, I will say he was certainly better last season than he was the year before. I don't, do you have any strong opinions on him? I'm just curious what his best – I know like positions aren't all the rage anymore, but I'm almost just kind of wondering if he needs to be a four where it's, yes, you could play him at the three, but he's not going to do enough stuff with the ball in his hands. Doesn't seem uh, quick enough to really uh, make that fit work. But then on the flip side, I don't necessarily know that he holds up defensively at the four either. Yeah. Uh, the Mavericks played him at the four for almost 400 possessions and their defensive rating was 118 last year. I think if he if he's going to stick around in the NBA for a long time, he has to be a very very good shooter. Because I don't I mean he can become a better passer and he can become a better defender, but I think his biggest his biggest sort of um I don't even know how to put it. The area where he can take the biggest stride is as a shooter. If he's like a consistent 40% guy, which I do think there's a chance he can do. I I really like his form. I think he's got a pretty good catch and shoot release. Uh, it's pretty quick. I mean, um, so if he's if he's a guy that can give you like 15, 20 minutes off the bench and you know he's going to shoot high 30s, low 40s from three, then he makes some sense. I don't I don't I don't know if he's anything beyond that. Like, I don't think he can become a point forward at this point. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be like a three and D specialist. But if he can if he can really, really knock down shots, then he's got a chance to stick around for a while. Yeah. And it, it helps that he's not one of those guys that at least in Dallas was deviating too much. They gave him a little bit of freedom um, 
towards the towards the end of the season when he was there. Uh, but even in Sacramento, just a lot of just set opportunities on offense. And he shot 36.1% on spot-up threes. Good, not great, but they accounted for almost half of his total looks. So for someone who's not going to monopolize possession on the offensive end, and having Porzingis, if he's fully healthy, it does open up what you can do at the four spot, which is also a little curious as to why uh, you would keep both Powell and Kleba and pay them long-term. But you can run Justin Jackson um, at the four, and you at least know that you'll have a good you know, long and just help and recover guy around the rim. So that would be a pairing I'd be interested to see from, from Dallas. Harry's razors is helping blue wire listeners with a better shaving experience. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Enough with the cheap razors. Go try Harry's now. It's just $3 for our loyal listeners. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your official trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure to go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. Are, are you ready to get into the mailbag questions that, that I tagged? Let's do it. Um, let's start with the players that we missed. I need to find the, uh, the people that asked them. Sean Burns, S Burns, 4597. How do you view Brunson quality starter or bench player? I will say Jalen Brunson was a lot better during his rookie year than I thought he scored fairly well out of the pick and roll. Uh, he was really, when you look at the way he plays defense, he kind of seems like just the, a Rick Carlisle point guard, um, he was better defensively in one-on-one situations again than I would have expected for a rookie. So I I think he's going to be better than a replacement level player. The thing that would keep him from being a starter, and if we're looking specifically at the Mavericks, there's of course if you're going to make Luka Doncic your your point guard. I'm just also not sure if he could play off Doncic as well. There's there's you know you can move Doncic around positionally on defense, but you can't do the same with Brunson and it just gets a little thorny. I think at that point, if you're, if you're asking me if he could be like a six man of the year type guy, or could he start for another team? I think he would be right on the cusp of that. So I don't know if that answers the question. I'm just reluctant to go. I don't want to pigeonhole him to just a regular bench role, but I'm reluctant to say that he's going to be definitely a starter level player. Yeah. I I don't know if I could, um, really add a lot to that. I, I think I would lean more towards solid bench player than quality starter. Um, maybe the kind of solid bench player who, you know, if your point guard goes down for a month, you're not going to die uh, because he can, <laughs> <laughs> um, he can, he can sort of run a steady offense. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. It, he, he just, just doesn't seems turn like the ball over. Yeah. He seems like that sort of just steady hand off the bench. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize his assist to turnover ratio was as good as it was until I'm looking at the numbers right now. Yeah, if he could end up playing just better off the ball a little bit, that might be his ticket to those Doncic Brunson lineups working. But again, I don't think the 
the offense probably doesn't end up being a problem in those scenarios. It's the defense. Yeah. Um, the other player that we didn't talk about, I do need to find the question on him, is Ryan Brokoff um, from Paul Jeffrey at Mac Nick 32 M A C K A N Mechanic 32. Sorry, at M A C K A N I C 32. Will Brokoff work his way more into the rotation? I actually have stronger opinions on him than I thought I would. One, I think his role is probably just really dependent on what the Mavericks are trying to do next season. If they're still in transition because they miss out on free agency, you're trying to get the Doncic-KP pairing underway, there might be room for him to log more minutes. But if you're going to steer towards a veteran-heavy roster and you sign a free agent or two and you treat yourself as a playoff team, I don't know if the opportunity will be there. But there's always going to be room, I think, to test out guys who can just shoot and come around screens. He was a better cutter than I thought he was going to be. Um, the coming around screen things is absolutely big, though. Uh, he averaged 1.07 possession uh, points per possession coming around screens this year. The sample size was small, but they accounted for a good chunk of his play. And just for context, Clay Thompson averaged 1.06 on about 10 times more volume. I know, but that's just <laughs> that's just something to consider. And so to have that guy, when you potentially have – if you sign a star or if you're looking for more playmaking, like a playmaking wing, you, you want that type of guy with KP, Doncic, another ball handler, just someone who compliments people really well. So it's it's not even just a set shooter with him. It was he was he was a pretty to really good cutter. And the fact that he can come around screens, uh, are you gonna be able to survive defensively with him? He can be moved around a little bit because he's six seven, but he's he's not this great defender. He's a pretty okay rebounder if you want to leave him at the two spot there. And again, it would be the offense that sells me just because he can do more things. At least he proved in his his forty two appearances with Dallas last year offensively than I thought he could in the half court. Having those pinball shooters is big, and then even he showed some like one to two dribble just just stuff as well off a catch. So he's someone that I could see entering the rotation, but if they're if they're definitively chasing a playoff berth right off the bat, I don't know that he's someone you look at as a, a, a mainstay. Or that maybe he is, because if they burn all their cap space and just don't have the roster depth, it kind of yeah. necessitates playing him a little bit more. Yeah, I, he's he is a lights-out shooter. Um, and I think a lot of what I was saying about Justin Jackson earlier is, is kind of already applies to uh, Ryan Brokoff. I didn't know he was that good coming off screens. You... You see him do a lot of that when he's playing. I, I just never looked up the numbers, which actually makes me a little bit higher on him. I'm I'm not. Um, he's not going to be the kind of guy that uh, I moves the needle too much. I feel like I've already used that cliche once in this podcast, so I was trying to avoid it. But um, I don't feel like he moves the needle a ton. But one thing I do like about him, beyond the fact that he's just a really really good shooter, is he's. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who tries to go outside his role. Uh, he seemed like he understood his role very, very well this season. Um, he, he's not going to bogart any possessions or anything like that. I too worry about him on defense uh, a little bit. Yeah, it, it's just I think it's a lot of the same typical concerns you have for for guys who are <laughs> great shooters and don't provide a lot else. I, I just don't. He's not a guy that really makes or breaks any roster to me. He's a nice luxury to have, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I don't, another one that I don't, maybe don't have real strong opinions on. He does seem girthy enough. I'm not even sure if that's a word. But just 
where if he's going to be 6'7", maybe you can get away with, especially if you're playing Doncic with him at the same time, you use Brokoff that's a de facto power forward because he's not going to be just super mobile uh, laterally, defensively. So can you get away with him against certain fours? That's something they could try more. They did it a little bit this past year, and the defensive returns predictably were were not great. But we're talking about he's he's obviously on the older side for a rookie. He's going to turn 29 in August. But it was his first season in the NBA. So that's something that you could look at. He could end up being an interesting piece for them. So I'll go there. I'm, I'm intrigued just because I didn't know. Obviously, I didn't watch him before he came over um, to the NBA. I didn't know he could do so much just off screens. And that's a big we, – we've uh, talked that to death. That's a big part of staying on the floor when you're surrounded his, by all these other ball handlers. And his nickname is Rowdy. So I was I actually meant to make a note about that. That's a great <laughs> nickname. It's up there with Noodles for M- Mikhail Bridges. That one was terrible. Um, KP at Motex12. Asked, do you think Kevin Love or Brooke Lopez would be a fit for the Mavs? Uh, to me, I appreciate the question. It seems an odd question to ask while you have KP and after Dwight Powell just opted in. Yeah, I, I would also say no. I, I think what you would want out of Kevin Love and Brooke Lopez, you're hoping to get out of Kristaps Porzingis, who you're probably going to have to pay a ton of money to. Mike Hupf asked, and by the way, if you're going to sign Brooke Lopez, I'd probably rather you just bring back. Kleba. It's not yeah. because KP predictably is going to play way more at the five. Yeah. So you're better off spending the money on a big who can play more at the four, but also lock some time at the five than a big who can't play at the four at all. I agree. Uh, yeah. Mike Hupf at Michael Hupf, H-U-P-F. I hope I didn't butcher that too bad. Should Dallas be happy Powell took his player option? Is that good value for him? It's And again, before you answer, we don't know what the extension terms are, and he's making $10.3 million next year. I, I think it's fine value um, as far as this season goes. I, I I said this earlier when we were talking about Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee. This is almost like a it's almost like a holding year uh, for them with all the with with those two salaries on the books. So maybe you think kind of the same thing with Dwight Powell. Like you said, a lot of it depends on what his extension looks like. If he's making two point three million next season and he's going to sign a long-term extension with Dallas, you probably assume it's more than 10.3. Maybe it's in like that 14, 15 million range. And I think at that point you start to get a little bit worried. Um, advanced numbers love Dwight Powell and then have for two or three seasons now, but especially this season. I mean, he was, he was very, very good in a number of like the, the catch all metrics and he had a true shooting percentage of almost 70. Um, I, I talked about how Ryan Brokoff was good at staying within his role. Dwight Powell uh, often excels in his. I mean, he he is a great finisher around the rim. Like you mentioned earlier, he can defend out in space a little bit. His assist percentage is actually a little bit higher than I think most people would realize. Um, For the type of shots he takes, too, where it's going to be set jumpers or he's rolling to the rim, to have the high yeah. assist percentage is actually impressive. Yeah. Um, I, no, I agree with you. Uh, but... I don't know what it is. I, for some reason, I just, I feel like once you get into that, like 15, 16 million range, I know I just said 14, 15, I'm already, I'm already bumping him up. Um, I just, I, I want guys who can do a lot of different things when I start to get into that range. I don't know if that's fair, but that that's, he, he's, he's very much like a rim roller. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit troubled if it starts to get up there. Are you, or am I being weird? 
No, I don't. Well, you're always weird, but <laughs> I I don't think it's good or bad value for next season. The extension's a different story because if he's making money similar to what he has now, I don't understand why they didn't just wait and maybe see because there's the look. If you need to get the cap space this summer, you're already going to have a ton, and you can get more while having Powell on the books. That's not an issue to me, but. What was the market for Dwight Powell going to be next year that you would need yeah. to give him this type of money? And I don't know. I know that free agency doesn't op- uh, always take place in a vacuum and that these are humans with relationships to the organization and, and all that. But uh, when you already have Kristaps Porzingis there too, I don't, I don't know that you can say it's – for him, I think the money is good value for him. For the Mavericks – you know, we talk about contracts, are they good for the teams normally? But for Dwight Powell, I think this is fine. If he's getting mid-level money, even, like if he takes a haircut on his next uh, next salary in the extension a little bit annually, that average annual value, that that's fine for me. Yeah, if he does that, I think that's a big win for Dallas. Um, person, and we'll try and speed this up, at Termina Court, who are some value-free agents the Mavs should be interested in as role players who will help maximize the KP Doncic duo I'm assuming they don't sign any max guys yeah I think we went through some of these names already Bogdanovich is interesting to me um we need to throw Patrick Beverly in there that's just an obligation for every single yeah Beverly would be good there um I I like Thomas Sadoransky for a bunch of different teams and I, I I think I would like him in Dallas too I know I don't I think he's listed as a point guard but I think he's a guy that can play like one through three um, I already mentioned Rudy Gay. Uh, I, I'm I'm basically always looking for like six six to six eight guys who can play a bunch of different positions. Um, and I think I named a few. I, I don't know. Is there anybody I didn't hit that you think would be interesting there? I think Sadoransky would be interesting there. It's just he's probably he just leans too far on the offensive side of the ball for me. And so if you have Doncic already, but he's and you want Jalen Brunson to be your backup playmaker, and you have Tim Hardaway Jr. already. I'm wondering if they could be a team that might give Danny Green a little bit more money than he would get from Toronto. I, I thought about Green for a second, too. There's also the cheaper veterans that you could look at. Uh, the Mari Carroll. Uh, this, I don't know. I mean, he's a veteran, but he's not that old. Like, Do you take? Do you roll the dice on, on KCP? Um, someone who's even on the lower end, and I don't say this because I, I think he's a bad fit. He's just older. Garrett Temple would probably be a really good player for this team. Yeah. So th- those are names that they could look at. Uh, it's just the market is thin after the stars is all I'll say. And you have to be careful where you spend your money. Yeah, I agree. Um, last couple questions here because both of us uh, have to roll. Uh, Who is the better offseason acquisition for the Mavs? This is from At Life's a Travesty. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's spelled, No, it's not. It's Well, no, it's spelled with like a tra- Life's A and then Travis T-R-A-V-I-S-T-Y. But, so his name might be Travis. Maybe that's what's going on. <laughs> Who is the best offseason acquisition for the Mavs between Vucevic, Walker, Jimmy Butler, Kevin Love, or Brooke Lopez? He's just asking have, for those specific have, targets. Have Brooke, has um, have Love and Lopez been rumored going to the Mavericks? That's the second person that's Maybe that's tab- a Mavericks Twitter thing, but I don't know. The Lopez makes zero sense with KP already there. Yeah, and I don't really – I don't love Love – there either um i actually talked about vucevic and the mavericks a while back on i think it was on twitter um but i I, you run into a lot of the same issues you do with porzingis i want porzingis to play the five um that was 
I'm pretty sure that was before the Porzingis trade. I hope it was. <sighs> Out of all those, I would say Butler. And but I don't. I think he's either going to stay in Philadelphia or or join another superstar somewhere. Yeah, I mean, but in terms of fit, I I think out of that list, I would I would most want Butler on the Mavericks. I think I would too. I might pick Walker just because I think he's more likely to look at the Mavericks, though. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Hey, um, I, one of these is interesting to me. I'm going to throw one at you. Um, at Fatty Weep, should oh. the Mavs <laughs> should the Mavs spend as much as possible? Uh, this offseason or should they spend only what allows them to maximize the 2021 offseason so I've kind of been dancing around this uh, at a couple other points in this podcast it's basically like do they do they max out a guy this summer or do they wait until the books clear and Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee's contracts are gone and then maybe you make your big push you can't I don't think to me because if you if you're signing Dwight Powell already let's assume and that was going to be the final question I wrap up with. But let's assume Kristaps get, gets his max. So he's making close to $30 million this following season, not next year, but the year after. Um, you're still going to have Hardaway on the books for 19 if he picks up that player option, which he will. So yeah, that's, that's $50 that's million dollars of your cap right there. Luka Doncic is another $8 million. If Powell's another $10 million, you'll have some space, but I don't think that you're in a position to wait. If you can spend it now and get guys now, otherwise you're guess- waiting until 2021. 22 and that's you know a guy like Bradley Beal will be on the market then but now you're talking about um Doncic will be extension I was just gonna say that the same thing you probably need to maximize the window when he's on this rookie contract yeah it's so I wouldn't wait you can and it maybe 2021 2022 looks okay but when you're already paying Powell and Porzingis and Doncic that you know that'll be his four seasons that's another 10 million right there that's so much of your cap and you can't just assume that you're not going to sign any long-term deals before then if you don't then 2022 to me might actually look a little bit more attractive than than next summer just because you still have tim hardaway on the books i don't know if you agree with that yeah i think i probably agreed with that or agree with that um do we have anything else we want to hit i just wanted to ask you the one final question the definitive answer this is from Sports Guy Dude at Sports Guy Dude One. We've danced around this, but I I want the question to be straightforward. He asked both versions. What contract is Porzingis getting? And we could even simplify it further. His max is five years, uh, one hundred and fifty eight point one million dollars. Are the Mavericks giving it to him? Not, What's the not that they'll do it if they have to. Not, not another team can offer a a fifth uh, a fifth year, so they could go you know four years and. 122.1 I think that number would be but I want to know are they going to give him the four or five year max um his starting annual salary is like 27 right 27.3 gosh this is hard um I'm going to say he comes in just below that like a 25 million a year and for four years and I would say just based on what he's shown so far, he should probably get like 20 million a year, but uh, very, very rarely are guys paid like exactly what the numbers say they should be paid. You almost always have to overpay for, for big names. I think he'll end up getting some version of the max or close to it just because even if it's not a full five-year deal, I do think if he went out in free agency, maybe the Hawks would clear up the cap space to pair him with John Collins at this point, maybe the Kings who are interested in a big man 
if they view him as a center. So I think he would get the max from someone to where maybe the Mavericks don't have to include the fifth year, but he'll get he'll get the full boat. I can see it. Um, and with that, we have wrapped up a hearty discussion on the Allen Crab uh, trade. The the Allen Crab trade uh, that's happened more than once in his career. <laughs> um, who would have guessed? Uh, anyway. We did that. We we went top to bottom on the Dallas Mavericks roster. If you want to take issue with any of our takes or if you want to congratulate us on our brilliant takes, you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The podcast network is at Blue Wire Pods. And we always direct you to at NBA underscore math as well. Longtime sponsor of the show. If you already are subscribed to the podcast, uh, make sure you have rate and review it. Uh, if you've done all three of those things, tell your friends and family to do it too. And until next time we leave you with the shout out to Ben Udry and Kyle Anderson. <laughs>